you're trying to figure out, should I leave my job? Well, question the beliefs around what your job means to you. Does it mean to you that, oh, if I leave, then I'm not going to be a worthy human being? Do you often wonder whether there's more to life than your nine to five job? Do you dream about having a life that has no boundaries, where you can decide what to do and where to do it? And does the thought of how to get that life maybe overwhelm you just a little bit? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me as I uncover how to get that freedom and live a life that needs no retirement plan. I'll be scouring the internet and chatting with people from all walks of life who are out there living life to the max instead of punching a time card. I'm Jackie Doucette, and this is Beyond Retirement. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm really excited today to have Jody Chafee with me. Jody's a seasoned podcaster, a homeschool mom, and a family culture expert. For more than three years, she studied business culture and looked at ways to apply it to families, resulting in a powerful framework for hacking successful cultures and applying it to families who want to live intentionally and question the status quo. She's hosted the Home and Family Culture podcast for over three years, and she's released over 100 episodes. During that time, she's interviewed dozens of experts from Paralympic athletes to entrepreneurs to authors and parents. She's been featured on several podcasts, and she's presented at homeschool conferences, and she's a published author in a digital magazine. Wow. Jody, thanks very much for joining me today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. I'm excited. <laughs> so let's start with a little bit about you. Um, everybody just heard that you homeschool your kids. How many kids do you have? How mm -hmm. old are they? Yeah, so we have four kids and they're 11, 9, 6, and 5. So still young, still on the younger side. And you've but always homeschooled? Homeschooled all their life. Yep. Yep. We've always homeschooled. I've always believed that homeschooling is, is in my opinion, the best way to educate. Awesome. <laughs> so... Does your uh, husband help with that? Does he work a full, uh, a regular job or is he at home? Nope. So, um, yeah, about, so a little over a year ago, he actually left his job, his corporate job, and um, we are both self-employed, but it's mostly my end. He has, he has a company, but he's still just in kind of startup phase. And well, I'm also kind of in startup phase, but <laughs> I'm more entrenched in this self-employed uh, arena. And so actually when he left his job, we, we negotiated how we were going to balance everything. And he's kind of taken over a lot of the, the role of homeschool dad. Oh, nice. So, um, I mean, I still, I still participate a lot and here and there when I have um, projects, um, I, I will focus on that. And then when it's slower, I focus, you know, I get back and spend more time with the kids and stuff during the quarantine. It's been interesting because it's like a lot of just balancing our time. Right. <laughs> and, you know, normally we would go on field trips or get out and go on drives somewhere or something like that. But, um, with, uh, being shut in, it's like, okay, well, we've got to just kind of keep ourselves entertained yeah. <laughs> and find ways to, to fill the time. But, in quality ways, you know, we don't want to just be like, well, we'll just watch movies all day no, or something. Not. No, we, no. Wanna, we wanted to, to make sure we filled the time with quality, um, quality, useful, productive time. Right. <laughs> and I guess you have a, a bit of a, an advantage over regular public school moms at this point, <clears throat> because they're doing the homeschooling thing and it's brand new to them. 
Yeah, that was one of the things when I, when I saw my friends, they're bringing their kids home and it's, it was traumatic for yeah, them exactly. because they didn't know how to spend that much time with their kids. And then to have to do online school and report back to their schools and their teachers was really, uh, really frustrating. And, and so that's why I've, I've committed, like, I'm trying to teach about homeschooling and I've gone on lots of, a couple of lately some homeschool summits and, um, you know, just different things like that, that I'm like, I want to get this message out there that this is something that you can do. You just need to change your mindset about it because it's not school at home. And it's not crisis school like people are doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Jody, um, beyond retirement is my way of showing people that there is so much more to life than a regular nine to five kind of job. And, and when you go to leave that job, there's something else out there. It's not just the end of the line there. You can be doing lots of other things, but there's still problems sometimes moving from a nine to five to something else. And I know that you and your husband have gone through that. So I wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that transition from nine to five to entrepreneur and what it kind of does to you and for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is what I get so excited about. I haven't had a chance to talk a lot about it and so when you talked about this being about what your show is about, I was like, I need to be on your show because I think that this is an important conversation to have because um, what happened to us was my husband for, it was a long time. It's been a long process. This whole thing has been a long time coming. He spent four years at a job where he was kind of underemployed and he was, he, he just felt like his brain was atrophying. Like he just didn't have, it wasn't challenging at all. And, um, he couldn't, but the problem is he was, he was applying like hundreds of jobs. He couldn't find anything. It was during the recession and he just was not getting any kind of response to his job applications. So when a friend of ours presented him with an opportunity to change fields and start training on another position, he was like, well, maybe this is a godsend, you know, maybe this is something that we need to consider. And, and so he took the leap and decided, okay, I'll work, I'll work with this guy. And so, um, but he, and he spent six years in that field doing, it was, it was commission-based work and it, but at the same time, his commission and the work that he acquired was dependent on, on how much his boss was doing his part to bring in the work. Oh, wow. And and so and and the way that this pay structure was set up was he was actually paid a salary from his commissions and if he didn't make enough on his commissions for the month then he actually owed the company back his salary. Oh, that's crazy. And so it was insane. And and it was a very dog eat dog culture in this in this industry because it was like if they if if somebody helped him on a project then he had to pay them out of his commission. And, and then if, uh, you know, so yeah, it was just so traumatic. It was so frustrating and he was miserable. So in six years and he bounced around between different bosses who had differing levels of, of like commitment to, to providing him with, with work and it was miserable. And by, after six plus years of doing it, he's just, his mental, I mean, both of us, our mental health was just severely suffering. I I mean, he felt like he wasn't at that point underpaid, but um, as long as he had a commission, but he was definitely undervalued and it was really, he, he just, it was miserable. So April of 2019, we were just like, 
I think this is it. We need to stop. Like you just need to quit this. And I felt like I was having a pretty good handle of this whole online entrepreneur stuff that I wanted to, that I was working on. And after a lot of prayer and contemplation and measuring out the pluses and minuses and, and everything, we just felt really strongly that if he didn't leave, then he was going to just, it was just not going to be good. And, um, so we left in April 2019. We weren't as successful as we would have liked on the entrepreneur side, on the self-employed side. And we sold our home and we moved in with my parents and they're super supportive of what we're doing. But um, it's been an interesting year and a few months because we have literally not had an income in that whole wow. time. <laughs> I mean, if we hadn't sold our home, we wouldn't, you know, we, we got a little bit of, of equity off of our home and um, the pandemic has been somewhat of a blessing because we got, you know, the stimulus from <laughs> the government. Um, and, you know, it's the first time in our lives because all our lives we've been told, like, stay off of, stay off of government aid. You know, it was like we never ever, and we still aren't, we haven't signed up for um, any kind of unemployment or any kind of, of welfare or anything the only thing we have is like medicaid um that but because that's they assign you medicaid if you don't have insurance right, right now <laughs> and so thank you thankfully that is that is something that's available but we've been you know we grew up with that um stigma of if you need government aid then there's something wrong with you yeah. <laughs> and and you know so that's been it's been a, it's been a difficult year because we have really struggled we want to figure out how to be self-reliant and now living with my parents and we it's a mutually beneficial my parents are older and my mom had like hip surgery and my dad is trying to you know maintain this house and so we're like okay well we're gonna if we move in with you guys you know we'll help out around the house and and we will make this a mutually beneficial situation um but it's been a struggle psychologically still because we're going wait we were we felt really strongly that this was right to do to leave and and to work on this business and nothing's happening why is nothing happening and why aren't we you know why do we still feel like and and the way that our society is another stigma that we grew up with was if you aren't providing like especially as a man then uh you failed you know if you can't provide for your family then yep. you failed and and so we are definitely in this position where we're we're you know, because my message, my podcast, everything's about family culture, right? And and so I've been learning a lot through this process how the the narratives that we grew up with have really impacted how we see our situation and the, the things that we're going through. Because a lot of what we've been taught and what we've told is your worth is coming from your paycheck right? Like if you have a job, if you have a paycheck, if you have a degree, if you have, you know, you're climbing the corporate ladder, then you are worthy as a human being, right? right? And, and so, and now that all of that stuff is gone, we are having to question like, wait, where did those beliefs even come from? Because I, I know that I'm a valuable human being. I know my husband knows is a valuable human being, but for some reason we, you know, because of that narrative, now we're going, we're questioning our worth and how, how broken and dysfunctional that is and how sad it is. 
because we, we doubt even our worth. And so, uh, yeah, so it's just, it's just been this interesting cycle to figure out, okay, I need to start a business. I need to make, start learn, earning a living, a living and I need to start providing for our family. But then at the same time, this narrative and this voice in our head going, but you're worthless. <laughs> and, and so, you know, entrepreneurs already struggle with this, that, that narrative and that voice saying, am I even doing anything worthwhile? Is anybody ever going to see this? Am I really, does this even matter? And so um, I've learned a lot about the difference between urgency and scarcity. Um, that that's, you know, you hear those words a lot, especially in the ClickFunnels community where it's like, oh, and you know, when you sell somebody, there's this urgency, this scarcity. You need to make sure that people feel in order to be like, oh no, I need to jump on this right now to buy it, right? FOMO thing. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and um, so whenever I think about people going, well, I want to quit my job and start this, this you know, turn this side gig into a full-time thing. And there's differing, you know, there's two different camps of people. There's like people who are going, yeah, you should just quit your job and go at it and commit to this jump thing. In. Yeah. Right. You'll have that urgency, you know, you'll have that sense of, cause like I, you know, I've interviewed people where they like, well, my, my biggest obstacle was starting my business. I didn't have urgency because I still had a full-time job and I didn't commit myself to it really fully. And so that's the other camp of people is like, don't quit your day job because you don't know if that side gig is going to really take off. Right. And so I, I kind of fit myself now in sort of the in-between of those because <laughs> I just think that without having gone through what we've gone through to experience this, um, we would still be putting so much of our worth in this nine to five corporate job. You know, we would still be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so worthless because, you know, we would still believe that narrative that we grew up with that says that we're worthless. But because we've gone through this experience, we have a whole lot more empathy. We have so much more sympathy. You know, we just, we understand what people are going through and they're like, no, really, we don't have any money. Like, <laughs> and, and we, we kind of were like, when this pandemic hit and everybody's going, oh no, we can't go anywhere. We can't eat out anymore. We can't go to blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much well, welcome to life. <laughs> welcome to reality, you know. And and I mean, because we were already home because we were self-employed and already home from homeschooling, and so and then we couldn't go anywhere. And it was like, no, this pretty much feels like life, you know. <laughs> but um, but it really has given us that sense of empathy and appreciation of of like people who really have to go through this this uh, scarcity and um. But, but what I've learned is scarcity is, that is, um, it's very destructive at the same time. So I'm grateful that we went through this to learn the empathy, but there's a piece of me that I just think if only, I mean, thankfully we live with my parents. So we have like at least some sense of sustenance, you know, we, they're, they're, they understand and they're, they're providing, helping us, providing for us, you know, and stuff. Um, but we do, it's, it's guilt inducing as well <laughs> that we know we're, we're doing this, but, um, and so we don't want to do live like this forever. Um, but the scarcity, so urgency means like, I'm going to, I'm excited. I'm, I have, um, you know, the motivation, I have the momentum, I have urgency 
to do something and get something done. But scarcity is when scarcity is what's pressing down on you. That is a negative. That is when we were going, when we were out of the height of our sense of scarcity, it was like, we need to do something right now to make lots of money. And that was our motivation, right? But no matter what, no matter what you do, if you're, if that's your motivation, and if you're coming from a place of scarcity, then you're actually in a survival mode and you're actually in a sense of, in a place of like fight or flight. And you have no capacity for creativity. <laughs> you have no capacity yeah. for like, um, like em- empathy and kindness because you're just going, I need this right now. Like if you've ever been hangry, right? Like you are like, I need some food in me right now. And that's what scarcity feels like. You're not, you know, you can't, you can't think things through. You can't creatively, creatively produce something. And when, so when we were in that place, in that place of scarcity, it was, it was really detrimental. It was really counterproductive because there's no success from that. Exactly. You can't create something out of it. You can't, you know, and so there needs to be a handle on the level of scarcity that you feel like a little bit of urgency is good. And even a little bit of anxiety. Like I think that when you feel anxious a little bit, then that spurs you to think through, through things. You know, if you were just blah, whatever, and I'm so passe about it, then you're not going to, you're just not even going to think about it. But a little bit of scarcity or a little bit of urgency and a little bit of anxiety, you do, you think about it. But when it gets, the scarcity gets to that level where you're frantic, then you can't think anymore. You just can't. You can't think things clearly. And you, you want to like, and you start to panic and you start to compare yourself to other people and you start to, you know, it gets to that place where, you know, we get more depressed because of that fear that we were never going to accomplish anything. We're never going to figure this out. And I guess at that point, then you also tend to do the wrong thing because you're panicking and you're trying to to do something, anything to make it work. And you're going to be making mistakes that dig you further in. Exactly. Exactly. And there were times when, yeah, I mean, I was, I, at one point I was like, okay, we need to move this forward. And I had, I was given an opportunity to sign up for some coaching and I thought, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is some coaching that they're going to help me through this. And I'm going to, I'm going to, they're going to coach me to figure something out. And I signed up for it. And it was super expensive, even while we didn't have an income, but I was like, okay, we have credit cards. <laughs> and, and if this works, you know, they're going to, it's going to bring us an income. And it ended up being a disaster, like terrible, mm-hmm. terrible, like now no good advice. It was a group coaching environment. And I just, even though I was doing all the requirements in the program to learn and understand what I was supposed to do, they didn't give me any direction. And, and so, but that was one of those things. I was coming from a place of scarcity and fear that if I didn't do something, then we were going to fail. And it kind of was self-fulfilling prophecy that (laughs) if I, you know, it really needed to be something that was more that if I was able to silence that fear, silence that scarcity and just think, think it through more clearly, think it through more intentionally, then I could have said, you know, maybe let's wait and let's, maybe we use that money to invest in certain courses or 
or more one-on-one coaching or something like that, that that would have been a better way to invest our, the money, little bit of money that we had. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it does lead to, to, you know, more bad choices when you're in that place of scarcity. So, so that was when, when, you know, when you brought up this, that was your message on your podcast. I was like, I need to share this. I need people <laughs> to know that it's, you know, maybe at least just have like a, work at a fast food restaurant to cover your expenses or something just to just if you don't like your nine to five you don't like your corporate job leave do have that urgency but make sure you have some cushion something to fall back on so that it's there's some way for you to to provide for yourself and and even do something that is maybe more satisfying this one time I talked to this guy at a grocery store it's it's weird, but it's a grocery store that we really, really love. And a lot of people actually m- will move closer to this grocery store when it opens. It's a destination place. It's called Wegmans. It's mostly on the East Coast in, in the States. But um, anyways, it's a destination grocery store, which sounds really weird, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we love it. And I was talking to one of the managers there one time and, he, and how much we love this grocery store because it's amazing. And, the, and, and um, he goes, well, actually, I left a better paying corporate job to work here because I love it that much. And wow. that to me was, I mean, that was during a time when my husband was working a job he hated and it was like, huh, maybe he's onto something, you know, but it's, it's this reality that so many people believe that, well, if I'm paid well and I'm climbing the ladder, then I'm successful, but I'm miserable. So that's in reality, that's not success. But, you know, if you, even if it means leaving a better paying job to work for something somewhere that is more satisfying and more rewarding, that to me is, is more like success. And so, but ultimately we determined that we needed to go on this journey because with my message about family culture and questioning the status quo, like you mentioned in my introduction, you know, that, um, I couldn't in good conscience be sharing that message while at the same time telling my husband, well, you need to keep going to that job you hate because you need to provide for us. Sorry. Um, and that just wasn't going to work for me. (laughs) It wasn't going to work for any of us. And, and so we've definitely learned through this process that in order to be a thriving family, we need to do something that, we, we need to do the things that we feel like are right for our family. And with, with both of us and our mental health deteriorating because he was so miserable and, you know, it, if we rule our whole lives around money or the job or the status and claiming that that means that you're successful, then, but you're at the same time, you're suffering subconsciously or mentally, then at some point, I mean, the more we talk about this and the more we go through this, we just know that at some point, whether it was a year ago or in five or 10 years, this was going to happen. And I'm just like, I'm just glad that actually it's happening now because we're learning so much. There's so many resources online to be able to start, you know, creating an an income. And that's another part of my personal mission is if I'm going to help other families, we'll go through this journey to be in more intentional. I want to be able to teach them how to have a, you know, a, be self-employed, to be more intentional about, about their mission and purpose with their employment. Then I'm going to, we're going to need to go through this. And so that's, that's ultimately, I was just, okay, we, 
for whatever reason, this mission of serving families and helping them understand family culture is bringing us through this, this path. And I wouldn't trade that for that reason. I've learned a lot about um, being a blended family by living with my parents and three generations because that's, you know, there are millions of families in the United States alone that live in a three generation sandwich generation where mm -hmm. they're taking care of their children and their parents and a lot of blended families in general, <laughs> whether it's marriages and things that, that blend their families. And I've learned a lot about that. I've learned a lot about um, living with more intention and questioning the the subconscious patterns that we don't even recognize until we're put into these situations where, I mean, there are so many couples that they don't realize the, the patterns that they bring into a marriage until it's budding heads. They're budding heads with each other about their beliefs and the narratives and the, and the mores that they grew up with believing like, Oh, this is, you know what you can't go to work because I'm supposed to be the provider. It's like, well, wait a second. Why? <laughs> Yeah. Let's let's question that. And whatever your judgments are, those are things that you, those are narratives that somewhere along your upbringing were planted into your mind that now you judge yourself. And so whenever you catch yourself saying, oh, we don't, you know, for example, there's, there's so many different examples in the corporate world. I mentioned, you know, that if you have a corporate successful job, then you're, then you're successful or, or you're worthy as a person, right? Or if you are making a lot of money, then there's two narratives that go on in there is if you're making a lot of money, then you're more worthy. But then there's also a narrative that if you're making a lot of money, then you're evil, right? Because money is evil, you know? So it's like there's little conversations that maybe our parents had or our grandparents as we were growing up that instill in us this narrative and belief of, of what we believe about prosperity. And, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with uh, uh, somebody for one of my platforms that she said she had grown up believing money was evil because she watched all these celebrities who became famous and wealthy always get divorced. And so in her mind and her narrative, she always believed that money equaled failed relationships. And so, wow. you know, yeah. So, and, and then this other guy I interviewed once, he said that his narrative growing up was if he was successful, then his siblings would feel slighted and that they were less successful, even, you know, because they were comparing his success with their success. And so it was this limiting, these limiting beliefs that we grow up with thinking, yeah. oh, well, if I'm successful, then I'm evil or I'm bad, or it's, it's going to ruin our family, or I'm going to, I'm going to be a bad person or, or, um, you know, there's just, it's, who knows? Or, or the narrative of, uh, if, success only comes through hard work, you know, like really grinding hard, then if I'm not grinding, I don't deserve to be wealthy. Or, you know, if, if, um, if I see somebody else not grinding and they're wealthy, well, they don't deserve it. And so, yeah. you know, there are these different narratives that we grow up with that, that we don't even think about, but we judge, we put out, you know, we project these judgments and then it, in turn, whatever judgments we actually have for other people, those are the judgments we have for ourselves. And so if we have those limiting beliefs about other people, then it's more, it's very likely we have those limiting beliefs for ourselves. And those are the things that are holding us back from being successful and being, being, you know, 
prosperous because we're viewing prosperity as something that we grew up with that's a negative or dysfunctional pattern or narrative that we learned that now we go, oh, you know what? That's wrong. <laughs> I can be successful. Even if I only spend five hours, 10 hours a week on this business, I can be successful or I can be successful and use my affluence and my prosperity to help other people that it doesn't mean that I'm evil or that I'm going to use it just to to become a beach bum or something like that, you know, and, and, yeah. and that's a narrative that I have learned also is, is this consumer versus producer narrative that, you know, we all hear about the lottery winners who make tons of money and then they blow it all and they become bankrupt, right? Well, that's yeah. because the, the poverty narrative, the poverty mindset is consume, 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 but the wealth mindset and the wealth narrative is produce, produce, produce. Yeah. And they use that what they produce and the returns on that production to buy their liabilities and to spend their money on their on their fun gadgets and stuff like that. But we in the poverty exactly. mindset see them with all their fun gadgets and go, wow, they must be so rich. And that's what rich looks like. <laughs> you know, so that's another broken narrative of what, you know, yeah. that that oh, rich looks like gadgets and toys and fun and vacations. When in reality, the wealthy, they don't buy that stuff until they can spend their return on their investments on that stuff. Exactly. And, and yeah. so we don't, we don't grow up knowing that stuff if we have the poverty mindset and, or that, that mindset that, oh, wealth is bad because look, they're wasting all their money on toys and gadgets and vacations, you know? <laughs> and don't they have better things if to spend their time? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. it's, you know, that's, this is whole idea of like these the, the beliefs that we grow up with, well, stop and question them. C consider like you are still worthy human being, even if you are not making as much money as you believe is, is quantifies your success. Yeah. And, and so if you, if you know, you're deciding and you're trying to figure out, should I leave my job? Well, question the beliefs around what your job means to you. Does it mean to you that, oh, if I leave, then I'm not going to be a worthy human being? Question that. <laughs> Where did it come from? You know, and, and if, it's, if you question like, well, but I have to have a paycheck and I need to have money. Why? Where did your bills even come from? Maybe you need to go through those, that belief of the things that you have and then your liabilities and why they're there and say, well, Maybe I don't need the most expensive cable or the most expensive cars or the most expensive whatever it is that, that's costing me so much money. Maybe it's okay to live off of ramen noodles for a little while. That doesn't mean that we're poor. It just means that we're going to use the money for something else. So, because that's the other aspect of the things that I talk about is what message are you sending to your kids? When you say we can't afford this or we can't afford that, well, then you're creating that scarcity mindset and mentality on your kids. But to change it to, I think we'd rather spend our money on something else. Or what can yeah. you do to, to earn some money so that you can buy that thing? Or how can we afford it? You know, if you change even just those little tweaks of, of the dialogue, that, that changes the narrative for the next generation, that wealth and money yeah. is not bad, it's not scarce, it's not something to be afraid of. It's something that we can acquire and develop just if you want it, just do work for it. Right. <laughs> and, or, or to just believe that the abundance that you create will come back to you. You know, if you have the mindset that 
I want to create that abundance and share and give and provide value, then that value comes back to you. So just, just that's, that's the, that's the mindset. (laughs) Exactly. And that's it. And it's so true. If you, if you just change the way that you're thinking about the things that you're thinking and said, I can't afford it, change it to this other thing is a little bit more important right yeah. now. It's not that I can't afford that. It's that I choose to do yeah. this. Or how can I, how can I get the money or the means to, to get that thing? You know, yeah. if, if it's, if all of our money is allocated somewhere else, or that's not something we normally spend money on, how can we get the extra cash to pay yeah. for it? So, and that, that yeah. triggers the, the idea of being that producer. You know, if you, if you say, how can I create this, the, the means to do that, Hmm. Well, how can I provide value for somebody who then can pay me <laughs> for that thing? You know, yep, and, exactly. and that's, that's yeah. then you you yeah that changes the mindset to I'm gonna I want to consume and get that thing to I need to produce in order to earn that thing. You know, and and so it's like a it's that balance and it's just a shift. It's just that little shift in the mindset. Yeah, and I think it's something that a lot of people in the nine to five type world don't think about because they think I've got a job. I do this, 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 I get paid for that. And, you know, and that's all I do. Whereas, you know, to step beyond that, to move out of that mindset, you've got to think, what if I do this and this and this, does someone need that? Where can, you know, where can that be of benefit? Where can I make some money? And, And it's not wrong to say, Who's going to pay me for this? And that's the thing that I think people forget that it's okay to get paid for things that you do. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not wrong to try to sell your services. It's just, it's a matter of how you do that. And it's your own perceived value in those services. I think sometimes in the nine to five, we go, well, it's time is money, right? I trade my time for money, but in the wealth mindset, it's, well, I trade my knowledge and my expertise and my skills for money. And so it's, it, it that can be qualified on any amount of money. You know what I mean? Like if, if you, yep. uh, if you create something and you can put it on a shelf somewhere or on a, on the internet somewhere and people can repeat and come back and buy for it, you may have only spent a few hours on that thing, but people can keep coming back and buying it. Well, that's, that's yeah. a phenomenal way to <laughs> use your time and and then you maximize maximize your time. You know, uh, Myron Golden talks about um, multiplying your time, where it's like right now, if you trade time for money, then you're only worth that much per hour, right? But if you can shrink your time, yeah. where it takes only 15 minutes to do a project, and then it, you can multiply it out, however many times you can keep spe- selling it, then you shrunk your time. Then look at that exactly. Yeah. Um, another another resource that I like to refer to is. Um, uh, MJ DeMarco is an author. He wrote the book, The Millionaire Fastlane. And he refers to this quite a bit because there's three mindsets of, of thinking. There's the sidewalk, there's the slow lane, and there's the fast lane. And the sidewalk are the people who live off of credit. They may appear wealthy, but really they're one crisis away from bankruptcy, right? And then the slow lane, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'm mending my ways. I promise. Um, and then there's the, the slow lane mindset, which is basically trade your time for money, put a little bit into an investment so that in 40, 50 years you can retire and perhaps Maybe. survive that long to, to live off of it. But the reality is 
those investment companies, the people are actually working on and spending those, you know, building those investments was not built for people who can only put little bits of money in every once in a while. Those were built for people yeah. who can put millions of dollars in and get a huge return on their investment. I'm sorry. So, exactly. so that was, that's a big part. He spends a lot of time in the book to understanding, to help you understand the slow lane is, is just that you're going to be driving in that slow lane nine to five Monday through Friday for 50, 60 years. Ever. Okay. Like it's not the way to go. But then he describes the fast lane. The fast lane is where you spend maybe five to 10 years working really hard to build a business and then you retire. I mean, it's, it's, you just focus that time. So many people are like, oh, five to 10 years, that's so long to build a business. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Compared, <laughs> Compared to, to the, the 50, 50 that years. you're spending doing something else. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> So it's like, no, spend the time, invest the time and the effort it takes to, you know, maybe just, just cut back and do a, maybe you do a minimum wage, wage job so that you can focus five to 10 years on, on building this thing. And then it's done. He built out this MJ DeMarco. He built out a online database for limousine drivers to connect with, with, um, passengers all over the country. He sold it for $10 million after five years. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Uh, yes, please. So, you know, you just, you just got to focus on something. I think the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs, they get that shiny object syndrome, whatever, you know, where it's like, oh, that didn't work. I'll move on to something else. Oh, that doesn't work. But it's just like one little obstacle that they face. And, you know, I, I just think, no, you just stick to it, stick through and see it through so that, you know, and, and, if you still feel like inspired, you still feel like you're getting ideas, you still have people who are interested in what you're doing, then see it through. And in five to 10 years, you become the content king of that thing and you sell it for 10 million bucks. Like, why not? So, or it's built out to the point where you're, you're bringing that in every, every year or something. Like, wow, how amazing. I guess the problem, the problem there is that most people... <clears throat> they think or they have trouble not just projecting out five or ten years, but wondering, you know, what if I do it for five years and there's still nothing? Do I do it for ten? How long do you keep going until you say it's a dead end? Well, hopefully along the way you learn, right? I think that there is definitely, you know, there's no such thing as failure, only data, right? Like I think it was Tom Bilyeu that said that at FHL last year. That or anyways. It's, but it's true. You you can't. You have to take the the failures and the obstacles as learning opportunities and ways that you can say, well, that yeah. was that was kind of rough, but what did I learn from it? And how is it? How do I maybe pivot a little bit if that from what I learned, or what can I add to it? You know, if if I had taken any obstacles that I've experienced over the last three plus years of doing my podcast, I would have quit a long time ago because there's every <laughs> single episode that I published had some hurdle that I needed to jump through to, to get this thing published. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that's, that's what entrepreneurs have to go through. We go, well, that website maybe didn't work out. Maybe I just need to go in and tweak such and such, you know, like, just the other day, my dad is like, so, so when do you think you're going to start making some money? (laughs) And I was like, how do you know when this funnel thing is, is working? And, and I was like, well, I publish it out and we observe. Okay. If people see the ad, but they don't click on it, 
then the ad is wrong and we need to tweak that. Once that gets tweaked and people will go to the landing page but they don't enter the address, then there's something with the landing page that we need to adjust. If they enter their email address and they get to the sales page but nobody's buying, then we need to tweak something on the sales page. You know, so I'm explaining to him this whole process and, and he's like, ah, oh, okay, I see. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's not something that you just go, oh, well, that didn't work and throw out my arms and quit. You just go, okay, where along this path that people are following, yeah. are they getting sidetracked or they're not, it's not connecting and I need to change the messaging or the image or something that it's just, okay, I just trial and error to see what, what lands. But once it lands, then it's going to take off, you know, that ideally, right? That's, it takes a certain level ideally. of faith, right? <laughs> and, and that's something that... In my message about family culture, and this is the last time I'm going to go on a little tangent, Jackie, <laughs> I promise, but I just, I just think that when, when we are constantly, um, and this goes back to what I said about scarcity, that when we are constantly in a, in a place of fear and trying to avoid something, then we're not actually proactively creating something. You know, if you've ever watched like one of those scary movies where they're running away from the bad guy looking over their shoulder and stuff like that, and then they run straight into the bad guy, right? Well, that's yeah. how life is. If you are only focused on what you're trying to avoid and what you're afraid of, then you're not intentionally going to create something going forward. You have to be, you know, it yeah. takes a certain level of faith to say, well, let's try something that is going to move us in this direction intentionally going towards a goal rather than just going, how can I avoid this, this fear and this pain? So it's, it's just having a vision, having a, a goal, having a mission, having a sense of purpose, your big why, like Simon Sinek talks about, like having a why of why am I even doing this? You know, why, why did we take the leap and say, my husband needs to quit his job, even though we don't have a paycheck? Well, because we believe so strongly that <laughs> this is what we're supposed to be going through and what we're supposed to be, you know, experiencing for some reason. You know, we have a certain level of faith in a higher power that also is bringing us through this, that, that we believe is part of this mortal journey and experience that we need to go through. I just think, well, we only live once. And even if, even if we're suffering here, it's still better than what we suffered at his job. <laughs> and so, and this is, this is still bringing us toward the goal and the dream that we have for ourselves, whereas at his job, he was working crazy amount of hours, hoping to get a commission, deteriorating mentally, and it's just, it wasn't worth it. So our big why for us was we need to go forward in a direction that we feel in a, in a, in a certain amount of faith and hope that this is what's, what is going to work for us. And, and faith and hope are not the same thing, right? They're, it's like, Faith is, faith to me is an action word where you're going, I have faith that this step I'm taking is going to bring me towards my, my mission, right? But hope is that even if something happens along the way that detracts or take, you know, sidetracks us is, is scary or something, hope is that there will be another way provided and that we'll be able to continue on this journey of taking those steps forward. So it's, it doesn't, that doesn't have to be a spiritually based thing. It can be that just as human beings, we need some measure of faith and hope to just believe in our purpose here and have a sense of fulfillment and purpose in what we're doing. Because 
I think if you lose that and it just becomes about, well, I just need a paycheck. Well, then what, <laughs> what are you doing? What's, you know, you have more worth, you have more value, you have more of God given talents inside of you and that someone you need to create and build out, even if it's just something you do just for a passion that it's, it's more than just a paycheck. So, yeah. So I think we've been going on very long. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that that all comes back actually to the, the beyond retirement kind of focus in that when you're doing a nine to five job, you're planning a retirement from something. But what you need to be doing in your life is planning a retirement to something. You need to have a place to go to, not not that you're running away from all the time. And I think that's that's kind of the key in all of that, is that find something to work towards and life will be better regardless of what you choose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's because you hear about so many people who retire and they're bored out of their minds or they just don't know what to do with themselves. Yep. Well, and they're dead plan. three months later. Mm, yeah. Mm, wow. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for so, letting me ramble on, on so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so now, um, do you have anything? I, obviously, you've got a lot of uh, enthusiasm, a lot of, uh, um, what's the word I want? Desire in what you're doing. Uh, would you like to tell the listeners where they can find out uh, more about your family culture movement and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So if they go to home and family culture.com, I I'm working on a freebie there where you can, you can learn about how to have an intentional family culture and um, a process of, you know, taking inventory of these narratives and things that I talked about and then how to have intention about what you want to create as a family. And so that's, that's, that's where you find my website. And then on Instagram and Facebook, I'm just a family culture podcast. Awesome. And I'll make sure that uh, those links go in the show notes. Thank you. Is there uh, anything else you'd like to say before we close up? You know, I, I just appreciate you to be allowing me to come in and share. I just, this is such an important message to to have a goal, have a purpose, have, you know, recognize that you have value, that it's not something that's rooted in some label that they give you a a job. It's you have, there's so much more to life (laughs) beyond. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Jody. I've really, really enjoyed chatting with you. I, I think that all the things that you're doing are fascinating and so, so important to, to everybody to learn or to actually believe that you've got worth outside that nine to five label outside the, you know, the, the success label that people give you. Thank you, Jackie. I appreciate being here. And that's our show for this week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm your host, Jackie Doucette. If you liked what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, review the show and leave me a rating. It helps me move up in the ranks and reach more people. If you've got any questions or comments, drop by my website, www.beyondretirement.ca and leave me a short message. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next week.